What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back to episode 13 of Move the District. Today, I got a, another hot episode here with you guys. Uh, today, I, uh, I like to welcome a registered dietitian here who owns her own practice right here in the Washington, D.C. area, Nora Shank. Nora, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm really excited to yeah, continue the conversation with you. Yes, of course. I think we, we were trying here for a few weeks, and uh, I'm glad we finally got this uh, on the books. Yeah, you caught me in between all of these trips and also all of these changes. Like I said, 2020 is the year of pivoting. The year of pivoting. I like, I like that. Um, how, how have you pivoted in your business this, this year? Well, let's just start off with that. I think just all of us in our lives, we have so many changes that we're dealing with. So we have changes to our, our environments. We have changes to our body going on. We have changes to our life. We have changes with our children and changes with school and work. So we've had so many pivots. So I don't think it's like just about pivoting in our business. I think it's about this mindset that we have to have about pivoting in our lives based on our values. Yeah. So um, my business is just an extension of that. And I think that I feel very strongly like if you lead with your values and you lead with your heart and you just in this time, it just becomes so important about how you think about things, how you think about the challenges. So in my business, I'm just trying to keep the same thing that I'm trying to keep you know, keep it all together in terms of life and, and business. Right. But mainly, it, I'm just so glad that I was already a virtual practice that I'd set that up two years ago and that yeah. I was ready for it. So that, that felt really good. Um, but I also have a lot of other pieces that I'm just learning to be flexible on. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the, the fact that you were already like in a virtual setting, I think that's awesome. Like the people who just like, saw things like this coming like two years ago. I don't know if you, you didn't see it coming two years ago, but, uh, I you know, don't think I can give myself I, that much yeah, credit. <laughs> no one saw this coming two years ago, but, uh, the fact that you were, you know, set up to handle something like that, I think is awesome. Where I think so many people, you know, for me, I know like it's just been like react, 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 you know, yeah. just one day after the other. And, uh, so I mean, but I think the big thing comes down to like communication. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is like being able to continue to be there. Like, yes, you are, still are maintaining your virtual connections with people, but it's, you know, being able to continue that communication. I think people really value that really now more than ever. I would say that's probably the number one thing that's changed in my practice is just realizing that the same grace or the same flexibility that I've had to extend to myself is things that my clients need as well. So that communication piece, we've had a lot more talks. We've had a longer longer periods of time where we need to talk because there's just so many layers of things going on. And as you and I both agree, the body, it, it's not like stress is just this 
uh, vapor that like, or this little thought that flickers through your mind and disappears. It's, it's really <laughs> like living in your body. It's like attaching itself to your cells. It's changing you. So just communicating that, I think just is that first part of how we can address some of the changes that we're going through. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the stress, you know, like that, that uh, analogy there was, was, was pretty great. Cause I mean, it just, it really is something that just consumes you. Right. And, and the more like opportunity we give it, the more it becomes part of our like daily life. You know, it's, it's like that, like a muscle, you know, the more you work it, the stronger it gets, the more we're like consumed by stress, the, the better we get at it um, to the point where it's just like this all encompassing monster. Right. And we don't want you. So if you're listening today and you're like, wait, it's stress is controlling. No, we don't want that for you. What we really want to give you is hope that, hey, your cells, if you move them and you and your brain, if you talk to it instead of just listening to it all the time, you can change that. And that's, I think, a really powerful thought that in spite of this humongous amount of stress that we've all faced, that we are capable of not just changing and growing, but also thriving in the midst of it. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, when it comes to dealing with stress, the best thing to do is just eat your feelings, right? (laughs) Well, I would just say, first of all, let's get this out of the way that if you didn't stress eat during COVID, the first part of quarantine, then I don't know. I'm not sure I can be your friend because food is really (laughs) important. Um, And we were all in our houses and like food is interesting and exciting. And it was like the one thing we did have left that we could stay engaged with. And so, um, and, and for sure, like if, if that's, um, if that's one of your coping mechanisms, um, we haven't experienced this kind of, change in lives in, in, in our, in our, for sure in our generation, but also like in a hundred years. So I think that we're okay if we want to soothe and comfort with something that is available and that is legal and that is, (laughs) that is, um, that is nourishing. But then at the same time, you know, eating our feelings. That's, it's a a loaded statement that Mm -hmm. I think has a lot of layers to it that we should unpack. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I know I got very comforted by uh, Chester's hot fries. That was my, um, my weekend treat that I gave myself, uh, because yeah, I, uh, was sitting on the couch and, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy that a little bit. Yeah. I think, um, that's one thing I think people, you know, you're stuck at home and, I think a lot of people, especially when you're in the city, tend to rely on takeout, delivery, um, to-go options. Um, and then, you know, they weren't able to do that. How did you work with some of your clients on, like, preparing their own foods and, like, learning how to deal with that? Well, I think we have two different scenarios, right? So we've got everybody who was just not used to being home as much. Like a lot of my clients who are lawyers, they were faced with like a huge change in lifestyle where it was like, okay, I was, I was in my office and I was almost every meal was something that I just obtained or I bought or I purchased. And then coming home and realizing like, I also need to now like 
cook for myself and buy food. And then there's the other side of things where it's like those of us who maybe had children now we're not just like, you know, doing breakfast and then the kids eat at school and then dinner is maybe something that we grabbed easily, or maybe we just cooked something easy. Now we're like in full cooking mode. So I think both the parties share the same, the same challenge. The same challenge with food is that one, we're looking for it for comfort and entertainment now in a way that we never had before. And number two, we were looking for um, just kind of ways to like, we have to change so quickly. It's again, like pivoting in like a huge area, like food takes hours and hours every week. And so now we're adding something new to our lives. Um, So I think, how do I coach my clients? I think the bigger question is going back to like, what is your goal? What is your value? And then also let's be realistic. How much time do you have? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now let's find shortcuts. Let's find uh, things that you can do easily. And that applies to everyone, no matter what kind of situation you're in, we all need what I call a backup option. So I think the simple and short answer is like, well, let's just talk about backup options because whether you're ordering food or having to prepare too much of it because your kids are constantly hungry, there's still the same problem, which is like, maybe you need help in this area of your life. Maybe you just need, maybe just need like a backup. Maybe you need like, you wish you had mom in the backyard, like just walking through the fence and bringing you a lasagna. Like everybody wishes that was the, the case, but how can we reproduce that kind of support and help during a really high pressure time? Right. Yeah. I think, I think that, that backup options, I think, you know, giving people alternatives to, yeah. you know, not just having like whatever their one way, their old way, I guess, of, of, of eating or, or getting food in, in the past. It's like, well, what can we do now? So I know like for me, like we like went to the grocery store and we like load it up. I mean, it was like, grab whatever you can get is like, get your pasta, get like, you know, get some meat, get some, cause there, and there's also like the, those fears of like, you know, the food shortages, you know, like, yes. were we going to run out of meat? You know, were right. we going to run that, uh, you know, was, was grocery, were the grocery stores going to close? Um, and, and I think that like played a lot into it just, but like coming, I know we like just were like, let's get whatever we can get. Let's get some macaroni and cheese. Let's get some yeah. meat. Let's get everything and just be like, all right, now, now we have all this food. Now it's like, let's figure out what to do with it. I think what really helped me is just remembering because I worked a lot with um, just people that struggle with food security. So for many years now, I worked with an organizational hospital and provided nutrition care and counseling to help people. And there was a lot of them that struggled with food security. And so when I went into that grocery store, just like yourself, and I'm thinking about buying extra food and then there's shortages of this and then I, this is not available and that's not available. It brought a new awareness to me um, just in my own life about how overly comfortable I was with being able to get what I wanted instead of really seeing it from the side of a lot of times where there's less money, um, people with less resources, they have less access to, especially in our DC region, there are many places that are considered food deserts. So I think that that's really important to like, it was, it brought up my empathy. Um, I also hated it because it was so anxiety producing and I don't, I don't like grocery shopping like that. Um, But I, I did realize like, wow, this is, 
this is a really good like experience for me to, to see kind of what this would feel like and, and be like. Um, so that was, that was an interesting takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like you said with the food deserts, I mean, like, I know like just other wards here in DC have, you know, those areas where there's no supermarket for, for a good amount of time. And, uh, and it, people have to travel far to, to get groceries or ride a bus or, or, you know, ride a, ride a bike to get, to get to their food. And that's definitely something that like, I know I wasn't used to experiencing. And then you walk into the grocery store and, you know, you look at the entire pasta section and just decimate it. And you're like, right. We have these, we got these, uh, egg white noodles that I bought. I bought egg white mm. pasta. I, I don't know. It was like the only thing left on the shelf. It's still sitting in our cabinet, but I like went in there one day and I was like, Oh, I'm going to load up on some pasta. And it was gone. And I was like, right. what should I get now? And yeah. it was like egg white noodles. And I was like, these sound like they can't be good, but I'm going to get them. And <laughs> one of these days we'll, we'll make them and, and try them out and see if they're actually any good. But uh, you'll have to report back in a later episode on this should be another episode quarantine, like, like post quarantine cooking, like all those things in your pantry. Cause that's one of my favorite things to do is like take whatever you have and make something of it. Um, my mom says it's like my superpower, just like resourcefulness, like just, Oh, we have these three things. We're going to make this. So we'll have to report back on our, I, I don't have any food left that I bought from quarantine except my black beans, which I had bought. Like, I think, I don't know. It was a Costco bag of black dried black beans. So that's all I have left to report on. And we make those all the time. So, um, but yeah, it was interesting. My brother, like, three weeks before it all started happening, he said, you need to load up. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's ridiculous. And then I said to my husband, said, hmm, what do you think? Like, should I just like order just a couple basics things that like, I know that we're going to eat anyways. And he's like, sure. Why not? So like, I got that pre Costco load in minus the toilet paper. <laughs> that was my only failure. Um, for a household that was kind of like, Ooh, that got a little tight there, but, um, oh, we did. Yeah. We got tight with toilet paper also. It just can be, I think, I feel like it conveniently lined up with everyone just being out of toilet paper at that exact moment in time. Um, for fortunately I had friends and family and they're like, Oh, I already, I, I have plenty of that. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll trade you something else. <laughs> yeah. We, we conveniently ran out of paper towels and toilet paper at that exact like Ugh. moment. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, there was one day, I was here in the office with a client who lives here in Southwest and that we were talking about the lack of toilet paper in the area. And she was like, Oh, I was just, I just walked past the Safeway over there. And she's like, they, they had people coming out of there with toilet paper and this is at six 30 in the morning. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh shit. So I like immediately grabbed my phone. I texted <laughs> Megan, my girlfriend. I was like, get over to Safeway and get toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. And she got over there at seven 30. And she's like, I got the last one. I was like, yep. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. We were super blessed because we had an old shoppers in the neighborhood and it turned over to a giant about one or two weeks before quarantine started. And when they open up a new store, they have to put in obviously a mega order to right. fill the shelves for the first time. Yeah. So this giant has been like every time I would go they would have it and I was wow. like how is this even possible and they it was just happened to be like a fully stocked store 
at the very good moment in time for my life. <laughs> my uh, my mom, she uh, she was getting to go to like Costco and like BJ's and all these mm -hmm. other, other supermarkets for like the senior hours. And she was yeah. like, she was like my like COVID drug dealer where she was right. like, whatever you need, I can get it for you. I was like, <laughs> okay. You just have to get up early enough. And right, yeah. Senior. Um, how, uh, how has your like shopping habits changed because of all this? Have they changed? Well, I would say that no, they haven't changed that much because, and this is, you know, caveat, I don't think this is normal for most people, is that before I became a dietitian, I was a caterer. So I have a food kind of buying system in my mind where I hit, I, I don't like to waste time because I've spent so many years at the grocery store and so many years preparing food. I, I just like to simplify it. I, I like it to be fast. I don't, I hate waiting in line. I like to be efficient. So I have my favorite hours and my favorite stores and I hit each one maybe once a month. So it hasn't changed my habits as much um, because I'm used to buying ahead of the game. And, you know, I, I, so my catering days really kicked in a lot when I was like, Ooh, we might have a food shortage here. or We might not be able to get this again. So that helped me. Um, but now that I'm, it's kind of done, I find myself not wanting to plan as much because that part of my brain kind of got tired. So it's like, it, it didn't change my habits, but then it's kind of shifted my mentality where I'm kind of like, oh, well, I'll just run to the store and get that because yeah. now I feel like I have this freedom to do it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see that where you're kind of like, oh, like I can go to the store. It's not a big deal to get like soap or, or like a, a bananas or, or, you know, whatever it is. You can run well, to the Well, 10 store. minutes ago it was, oh, I, don't, I, did, I forgot to buy the taco shells. So I just ran oh, to the store. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, where like four months ago it would have been like, well, guess what? We're not having tacos tonight. We're going to make tortillas. I mean, that's literally what it was. And I, I yeah, that, that part of my brain is tired. I don't want to make anything else from scratch right now. I'm kind of, I'm, tef I'm definitely that part of my brain is tired. <laughs> so now let's go back now. How did you first get into being a dietitian? What, 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 where did the process start? So like I said, I was a caterer. So in um, college, I, I picked up some, I loved cooking. I started doing some jobs for friends. Then that started to build into a small catering practice here in the Washington DC area. I'm actually like a, my kids are like fifth generation Washingtonian. So we've been around a long time wow. and I, and I loved cooking and a lot of people love entertaining in this area, but not everybody wants to do all the work. So I started doing that in college. And at the same time, um, my grandmother actually um, had inspired me to really pursue medicine and she um, she had applied for med school at GW and was rejected because um, she was a woman. Wow. So this is way back. Um, and she continued her medical studies at night because they let you come to night school, even though they wouldn't let you, you know, be accepted into the program. And she ended up becoming um, a very early stage physician's assistant before there was a lot of distinguishing you know, uh, certifications for PAs versus medical assistants. So you know, she, she really inspired me to get into medicine. And um, so I thought I was going to be a nurse, um, got into nursing school. And then just a part of me just was like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know. I like, I just didn't want, I'd done enough internships. So I was like, I'm not sure I want to be a nurse anymore. And so at the same time, a catering thing was peaking. And then um, I think I learned 
that you could go to school and get this job um, in nutrition and work in a hospital. So um, I, again, using our favorite word for this year, pivoted into going to a different school. And um, that's how I got started uh, with my nutrition career. Mm -hmm. I worked in clinical for a long time, worked in outpatient most recently, and I started my private practice about two years ago. Um, just with a desire to create a better quality preventative healthcare um, in a way that I was not being able to do in a private practice that helped people. I mean, we helped people tremendously. We helped them lose over a thousand pounds in an outpatient program that I developed, but I would go months without seeing people. And that just really, that, that just you know, didn't sit right with me because I wanted patients to have that care in the same way that we would expect, um, you know, learning something new, you would expect someone to show up for class a couple times a week to learn something, to go to college. You, I wanted them to have that experience where they had that connection, they had the communication and the support that they needed to really get the changes in behavior and the changes in their bodies that they were looking for. So were you not working with people directly, like one-on-one? -on -one? Is that what was happening at the previous job? So no, we were working one-on-one, -on -one, but then you're very limited um, in the medical system at this point. You're very limited in the number of appointments. You get four appointments gotcha. a year uh -huh. to be able to help someone change their life, their eating habits, their mindset, and to get the outcomes that, that everybody wants, losing weight or lowering their blood pressure, helping their prevent diabetes. We just... you you can only do so much in four 30 minute visits. So you're saying insurance uh, companies uh, benefits for registered or working with registered dietitians is uh, not that great. It's very insufficient. Um, <laughs> but as um, you I've and heard I, that I've heard that before you and I have talked about this, um, but preventative care or making your body healthy, making a directional change in your health is not something that can be done in two hours with a professional. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just two hours. It's two hours and then another two hours and then another two hours. <laughs> well, it's just so astonishing to me. Like if you want somebody to change careers, they and go and get some new training, you would expect them to go to school for years to be able to change directions. Um, we're talking about habits that we've all had probably since we were teenagers. And then we're trying to change them as adults in the midst of our really busy lives. Um, and that can be just a challenge. And we need support when we're trying to make changes like that. Right. And then so when did you make the jump to private practice? So it was really interesting talking about values and making decisions based on that. I really felt strongly like, Hey, my clients need more. Like they need emails from me. They need phone calls. Like, why can't we do this from medical, from the medical side of things? Like this doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, you've got all these resources available to us with technology and instead you're going to make someone. And, and this is where it really, I think, I really hope that COVID changes things is you have someone who is maybe doesn't have a car or doesn't have the resources to, get to their appointment. So they have to wait for a bus to take them and, or they have to wait for a van to pick them up. 
And then that van might pick them up two hours ahead of their appointment and then drop them off. And then they might have to wait two more hours after your appointment with them. I saw this all the time. I would meet with a client. They would be in the waiting room for two hours. Then they would have their appointment. And then they, I would see them as I walked out for lunch, waiting for their ride to come pick them up. And the same thing for those of us who might have resources like transportation, a car, and that's not so hard for us. It's like taking forever. You got to go, you got to park, you got to, you know, check in and you got to wait for someone. It's just a lot of wasted time. And I just thought this is, this is so easy. We have technology now. So about two years ago, the values of, you know, better patient, patient care. And then also being able to have flexibility where I can do my work from home and be here for my family was hugely important to me. Um, and now it's great because when I have Zoom calls and my kids come in, the, everybody else has the same problem. So it's great. Something that was a problem two years ago and is awkward is now very normal. Oh, yeah. I feel like we've seen enough news clips of like different reporters on TV with their like kids coming into the background now right. or, or yeah. whoever popping into the background of their yeah right. so like yeah everyone's like oh yeah same same <laughs> so yeah that that's when I transitioned about two years ago and and everybody's like well but wait we can't do HIPAA secure and I was like well why not and so I started figuring out that they're I mean and to be honest like there have been pilot programs for 10 years for registered dietitians starting way back in California with Blue Cross Blue Shield to provide nutrition care over virtual virtual care for telemedicine and so i was just like i know about this i've actually participated in some of those studies so i know this is possible so that's when we started that's when i really started to do it in earnest because i thought hey this is going to save everyone so much time yeah yeah i mean i think it comes down to like what's your time worth right like is it worth yeah. like getting on a bus or driving in a car uh you know an hour to your appointment then like having your appointment and then you know that hour drive back like like that's three hours of your day right there and it's like okay. you know um or you could just log on to a computer and uh right you know and you, you get i think there's also something comforting about like talking to someone in the comfort of like your own home or whatever yeah. place that you're most comfortable with i think that allows them to like open up probably a little bit more versus like being in a doctor's office yeah, it definitely has changed the dynamic. Um, I was always nervous. I think if you're if you haven't had a telemedicine appointment yet, you're kind of wondering, wait, is this really going to work? Like, are oh, we yeah. really going to be able to provide the right care? And I would say in the beginning, I was worried that there wasn't going to be that connection and the ability to really care and really have those heartfelt conversations with people and educate them is um, is, is possible. It's all possible. It actually works marvelously well and you don't have to feel as nervous. Um, and because it's just somebody else sitting in their home talking with you. And, um, it's like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with someone. You just yeah. haven't met them yet, but we're here for you. We care about you. And we know that this quality care can happen, um, in through the distance. Yeah. I think that's something I know from talking with some other of my friends in the PT world, when we shut down our practices and, and went virtual, I know some people gave clients the option, like you can do telehealth or virtual sessions if you right. want. And the overwhelming majority was like, no, like what am I really going to get out of that? Right. And I know for me, I just said, Hey, we're going to switch everything to virtual. We're just going to, we're just going to yeah. do this. 
And, and at, for the most part, everyone went along with it, uh, mainly because I didn't give them an option. And, and it ended up, you know, working out. And everyone was like, oh, this actually like works. I'm getting a good yeah. workout. I'm get, getting right. my, our, our, my problems are being addressed. And, yes. uh, and there's still something, you know, about like that I know people appreciate about like coming in and being in person yeah. and, you right. know, a little bit different than the news, like, you know, being able to like lift heavy weights, they don't have op- you yeah. know, the opportunity to like right. lift heavy weights, things like that, you know, or, or even some right. hands-on stuff too. So yeah, I know people appreciate that, but like, there's still like, you know, people, there's some people I'm working with now who are like, no, I'm good. Just doing virtual sessions. Like this is fine. Um, because their, their issues are getting resolved. They're, you know, feeling better. They're moving better. They're doing everything they want to do. So it's like, and I don't have to leave my house. <laughs> well, we just love it that as you know, because we care so much about our clients, we care so much about the results in being pain-free and being healthy and having that right direction. We just are so excited to say, Hey, here's another option that we right. want to give you. Like you cannot replace being in person with someone. We're not mm-hmm. saying that at all, but what we can say is that it is highly effective. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing, and you know, it's it's disheartening that like to start like all this like no insurance companies were were like reimbursing this this stuff, you know, and it took like a good month, two months of like PT practices doing telehealth services, where like Aetna and United and Blue yeah. Cross were like, okay, we'll reimburse this, fine, right? You know, right. and it was like a whole big thing where like one, it should have been covered before, anyways, like, years ago. Yes. Exactly. And, and then it was like the fact that it took time to like get it through the system and get it like, Oh, like this will be fine. We'll, we'll do this. Um, I know like New York state was doing something where, you know, in order to do telehealth, you know, for physical therapy, you needed a physician's referral. And it was like, why, <laughs> why? And, you know, just add another, like, you know, three a, steps. A, yeah, exactly. Another three steps. Um, and, and you know, it's like, why didn't just, just let this happen. <laughs> people are benefiting. People need it. People are benefiting from it. So like, why not just, you know, let it happen and, and give those PT practices, you know, the reimbursement they deserve for the people. You know, right. Reimbursement yeah. And the same battle is, is something that we are all facing in, in medicine is just making sure that patients are first and that they get the care to push pause on someone's treatments is just delaying their optimal health. And I am very positive on using insurance. I am, I love it when people get the care they need and the coverage that through the coverage that they have. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, but my insurance company just won't cover it. You know what? You, you have to advocate. And that's, that's my big part that I, I love to tell patients and to tell clients is like, Hey, if you feel like you're not getting the care that you want and deserve, we're going to advocate for it. And we're probably going to make some headway on it because they do have to listen to you because you're paying them. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that's just really important to me is making sure that patients get the care that they need. And that's first and insurance companies have to change now. And that's lovely, but it's really ridiculous that for a long time they were like, no, we're not going to do that. And like that, no, that's, that's not in the client's best interest. Move the district is sponsored by big league performance and rehab. 
At Big League Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I started my practice was ultimately I don't want to work for the insurance companies. I want to work for my patients. And, you know, people, you know, want to run a marathon, right? Like they want to be able to keep up with their friends and run a marathon, but like, because they can walk down the street or walk up and down the stairs without pain, then guess what? The insurance company says, says it's fine, but like, you know, they want to be able to do something extra, something more. And it's like, yeah, you know, or, or they've been having pain for, for years. The insurance company's like, all right, well, that was 30 visits. You guys are done. And it's like, what, why, how? So, um, yeah, there, there are so many stories. I have so, so many stories of patients who needed the right kind of care and spent years, years. We're talking about 10 years. And we're talking about an 88-year-old woman who didn't get the care that she needed to figure out why she had so much um, so much stomach problems. And then it's like, oh, well, what about if we just did this? Or someone who's, I mean, for me, like, oh, you're 88 and you've struggled with constipation for 45 years and nobody ever thought to send you to a dietitian to talk about this. There's the woman who had pelvic uh, pelvic floor pain and dysfunction who was seen by a physical therapist who also saw me and we have some protocols that we work on together. And she told me, she goes, literally, I would have been on like 20 medications if I hadn't stopped and come to you and talk to you guys and gotten the care that I need because now I'm, I don't have any pain. I don't have to take half those medications. My anxiety is down. It's like, what if you want more and you don't want to just be mediocre in pain or not be able to achieve your goals? This is really, I I mean, I feel very strongly. That's why I, I love talking with you, Mike, is because we feel both very strongly, like you deserve more and you can achieve more. And we want to give you the tools to do that. Yeah. Now, who do you, who's your average client? I see a lot of men and women who are looking to lose weight, who tried a lot of different methods. They've tried everything. They've tried keto. They've tried paleo. They've tried uh, weight watchers. They've tried, um, they've tried everything under the sun and they feel frustrated because their weight is just yo-yoed for years and years. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel like they know anymore what to eat because this diet told them you couldn't have carbs. And that one told them they should eat all carbs. And this <laughs> diet told them that these foods are, you know, and highly inflammatory. So don't eat any nuts. Um, you know, there's just so much information out there that they feel very in a lot of ways, they, the words they use oftentimes are, I feel really stuck. Um, and, and the same goes for the clients that I see who struggle with like a lot of GI problems. So the gas and the bloating and just like not feeling their best and that subsequent anxiety that comes out of both of those, mm-hmm. um, just struggling with feeling really down about themselves, feeling like, hey, I've tried everything and I feel like, like I'm just really getting nowhere. Um, so my average client is, is someone who's really looking to make changes that really last. They want to work on their behaviors. They want to change the way that they think they want to stop 
thinking all the time about what's the, wait, am I doing it right? Is this the right food? Should I be eating that? I'm not sure. They want to stop having to think about it all the time. Um, we make about 200 decisions every day about food. <laughs> That's 200 things to worry about if you're not sure what to do. Right. And so that's what I really try to help clients get to is that place where their mindset is better, their meals are better, and that we understand the, the metabolism, things that they need to do to change the direction of their health so that they have a long-term plan that they can stay on for the rest of their life. I think that the, the long-term plan, that right there is, I think, the absolute key thing is that everyone is just like, oh, I just want to lose 10 pounds and I'll just diet for the next month or I'll do this one diet for, you know, the next three weeks and, and then I'll go back to what I was before. Like I, I had, I honestly had someone in here in my office yesterday telling me about how he was doing the keto diet and he's like, I'm just going to do it for a few months or uh, a few weeks and then I'll uh, go back to what I was doing before. And I was like, well, what were you doing before? And then he's like, well, you know, I, I put on 25 pounds during, you know, the first stages of lockdown and, but now I'm doing keto and, and then I'll, you know, just go back to what I was doing. I was like, that doesn't really seem like the best idea, now does it? <laughs> well, the main problem is, is that like, when you consider keto, yes, it has weight loss benefits. Yes, it works. Sure. But once you come off of it, do you know what to do with your metabolism? <laughs> yeah. Does your metabolism know what to do when you just all of a sudden start eating pizza and carbs? What happens to your metabolism when you start to eat fruit again, because it is kind of good for you, but you haven't had any for two months. Right. Right. And I, and I think that's one of those things like, is it a effect of a long-term plan? And that's, I think that's the question. And so for some people, I'm sure it is. Well, I think we have, when we look at weight loss or we look at managing our health, most of us do, we want it to be easy. We want it to be fast and we want it to be painless. <laughs> of course. I mean, that's, that's ideal. Right. Um, and so I understand like if my, if my neck is really hurting and I come to see you, Mike, and I say, Hey, my neck is really hurting. Like, I want you to fix that. Like, I want that pain to go away. Right. But if, if my neck pain is coming from maybe my hips being out of alignment for a long time and maybe I've had really bad posture and maybe I'm sleeping on a bad pillow and maybe I, I have, you know, been lifting weights incorrectly. Like those are a lot of things that Mike has to work on fixing. And in the same way I would look at diets and say, Hey, your food behaviors are related to four different quadrants, your, your environment, your behaviors, your genetics and your habits. Like there's, there's so many things that go into that, that we have to look at And and not every, it, my approach is not going to be for everyone. I just always would ask like, where do you want to be in 30 years? Do you still want to be on a diet? Like, because I'm pretty sure that that path, maybe the short-term path might work for a little bit, but what happens when you go off keto or you go off a, ketogenic diet of any kind. There's been many times, many iterations of this. I don't know anybody that hasn't gained back all of it and a little bit more. And there's science behind why that happens. And so I just don't want that cycle. I've seen people do it so many times 
where they just cycle higher, 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 higher. And I, I think if you're, if you're in that idea that this is a short-term fix, I would just say, Hey, maybe you should pause that and just ask yourself, does the science really support that? Or is that something I feel like I can manage over the next 10 years, not just the next 10 months? Or yeah, or is it just what Brad at the gym is uh, doing these days? And he says it's, and he's shredded. So he, it's got to work then. Everybody's got a different body. Everybody's got a different metabolism and you need to learn how to trust yours and know it. And that is what I love to help people to do. Like get off that merry-go-round and figure out what is that path that actually works for you. Make it personalized, figure out what your metabolism is doing. While we're talking about uh, keto, Let's go down this rabbit hole of uh, popular, popular diets here, and uh, I want to get your take on a few. Okay. All right. Number go. one, let's start with paleo. I feel like that's the most common one. You hear everyone talking about it for like the last decade. Paleo diet. Let's you know, start at the beginning. Thoughts? Go. Okay. So paleo is great in that it's emphasizing lots of healthy food groups, but you have to ask yourself, what is it cutting out? What is it that I'm taking out in, in, and what is the benefit of that? So a lot of times for paleo, they don't really let you eat beans. They don't let you eat legumes. Um, and, and I always just zoom out and say, okay, this is Nora's general philosophy about diets. Mm-hmm. Um, have, have people been eating those foods for more than a thousand years? <laughs> okay. So maybe that's okay. Like that's probably not as toxic as most people want to believe it is. <laughs> All um, right. So that's my take on it. I, I just don't, I mean, not everybody can eat beans. Not everybody should have legumes. Not everybody should have all nuts. Like I'm not saying that the principles are wrong. I'm saying that it's always about what they're taking out. And we have so much research about legumes so much Mediterranean diet research about how that fits in about longevity and every single culture around the globe has some kind of legume that is key to their diet. And so if this plant grows all around the world, we've eaten it for more than a thousand years. I just don't think there's a really good reason to take it out. It's probably going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) So, so now if a, if a client comes to you and they say, hey, Nora, I want to try this paleo diet, are you automatically like, how can we adjust this to, to what your needs are? Are you like, well, maybe let's not get so specific. Do, do you, or, you know, or is it something that like, it depends on the situation? No, I always support clients wherever they're at. So if you came to me, Mike, and said, hey, I'm going to do this paleo. I'd be like, great. How can I support you? Great. Um, and then I would say, okay, how are you feeling? How's your energy? How, what are you doing for workouts? How are your workouts doing? Are you suffering in the gym? Is this hurting your performance? Is this keeping you from getting your normal times or your normal personal rec- um, results? And then we would say, okay, how are you feeling on that? Is that good for you for long term? There, are there things that you're missing that you're really craving? Um, your body's so incredibly intelligent. Usually if you're craving something, there is a nutrient in that food that your body probably needs. Now, 
not every craving is going to be like as intelligent. So when it tells you like, I need a third piece of pie or I need a, another Oreo, maybe those are other reasons that you're eating. But like, for instance, like when women say, oh my gosh, I'm craving chocolate so bad right now. And, and you go, well, did you know that chocolate is really high in magnesium and you might just need more magnesium in your diet? And they're like, oh. oh. And I'm like, yeah, well, there's a reason why you're craving chocolate right around your cycle or right around your periods because your body actually needs more magnesium. That's a natural painkiller that supports natural muscle relaxation. Wow. So okay. it's, it's like, listen to your body. So I think if you're on paleo and you're like, okay, but this is really working for me. Cool. That's awesome. Okay. But consider your cravings and then maybe just look at it and say, okay, is there a, this, is there an intelligent reason? Um, because if you're doing paleo on Monday through Friday afternoon, and then you're not on paleo Friday after evening through Sunday, because you're off on the weekends, then that might not be a sustainable it's not even about sustainable. Is that really what you want to do? Cause then you're going to feel really gross on Monday and then go back to paleo thinking that it's safe. So it's just some things to think about if it's right. ca- causing you anxiety on Mondays because you went off of paleo on the weekends, that's probably the wrong diet for you. All right. How about uh whole 30? Whole 30 is amazing for it's really positive approach to eating more plants. Okay. Big thumbs up for the plant approach big thumbs up for getting people to really look at their, you know, kind of accidental sugar intake. Okay. It's not your fault. You don't need to feel bad about sugar. Sugar's not the enemy here. It's really good for those principles. Um, I have heard a lot of mixed reviews like, Oh man, I've lost like 10 pounds in January doing whole 30. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what habits did you pick up from that? Like, Oh great. You're le- you've learned how to make a couple new like plant-based recipes. Awesome. That's so great. Um, but then again, I just don't love it. Like, cause then February one, it's like, well, but I'm just going out for a burger and fries and a milkshake. So I think there's just like a better balanced approach where you can have foods that you love, um, and still get the results you want. Um, as long as your metabolism is really strong and stable and that like that comes down to fiber, healthy fats and enough plants in your diet. So in that sense, I really like Whole30. I just don't like it in the psychology sense where it's like all or nothing. Because I, I think some people tend to do it and they do like the 30 days and then they're like, all right, now I'm back to my regular mm-hmm. schedule. I think that's probably the issue. Like, like you said, like, and it's like, all right, February 1st, let's go get burgers and beer. And because mm-hmm. if you do the whole thing, isn't there like a part where like you like slowly introduce like things back into your diet to like find out where your food sensitivities are? So let's be honest, how many people are doing phase two or step two of any diet? You know, probably not many. Okay. So if you did, I applaud you. Great. If you are so smart and you figured out what things you are sensitive to, awesome. Like kudos to you. That's amazing. That is a great intuitive way to really find out what makes your body work the best and makes you feel the best. I just think it's really important to remember that we're human and that we're going to have really different changes in <laughs> the way that like life treats us. Like COVID's a great example of this. Maybe you started a diet program in March and then COVID hit. How did you do with that? 
how are you doing with it now? Did you stay on it? Did you get off of it? I mean, I, I had clients, we signed them in March, then everything hit and we had some ups and downs, but overall, they're all saying, Hey, my direction is so much better. My food anxiety is way down. I have lost weight. I'm keeping it off. I didn't lose as much as I had hoped because hello, we all had a lot more stress, but now I have the tools to really do this long-term. Yeah. I think it comes down to having that mindset. I know that's something you always talk about on, on social media is like the mindset for this, not just like, right. you know, whether it's, you know, reducing calories or whatever, it goes more, it goes deeper than just having, you know, like, Oh, like I have all the recipes. I have this, I have that. It's, it's having the mindset to do it long-term. I think that right. ultimately makes people the most uh, successful. It does. And, you know, I just want people to, I, where my personal journey was that I never had problems with eating food. I love good food. I loved cake cooking. I love catering. But where I got tripped up was just a diet culture that really like started playing with my mind where I was like, wait, like, it's, it just made me feel like I was doing things wrong all the time. And this was my industry. Yeah. And, and I had to fight back from that. I was like, I, this is consuming my thoughts. Like I feel bad about it all the time. Like I shouldn't be eating that. That's not what a dietitian should be eating. And it's like, wait a second. No, like we're human. We, we need to change the way we're thinking about things. And we have to fight back with better thoughts about the way food is supposed to nourish us and the way that our bodies are supposed to serve us and, um, and the way that, you know, it just works together to make us be able to do the things that we want. And I think that's where you and I agree, Mike, is we want you to be so healthy that you can do the things that you dream about. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, I, I had, um, I had Cami Wolf on this podcast who, who runs a wellness company here in DC. And, you know, she, she was talking about the, the term clean eating and she's like, mm -hmm. I, I hate that term clean eating. Because it assigns, you know, uh -huh. connotations to food, you know, clean connotations. And what's the opposite of clean? Dirty. Right, dirty. So it's like dirty food and, and clean food. And it's like, you know, and it just creates that, it, it creates a net and those negative relationships, mm -hmm. which right. um, I thought that was excellent. And I had a behavioral change uh, therapist on my, um, in my cohort, I run a program called the wellness cohort. And she was just telling me that the changes that we make with negative associations are so weak in our brain. Um, and the way that we actually form new neural connections to make positive changes is through a positive reinforcement system. So, you know, that, and that's really where I focus is on the behavioral change therapy or the behavioral change um, ways that we can improve the way that we make changes. So it's like, it's one thing to be like, I'm never eating sugar again, or I'm, I'm not going to drink tonight or whatever ultimatum you give yourself, but how do you actually make that change stick? And that's where I'm fascinated is by using the mindset or changing the way we think about things so that we can achieve the results that we want. Yeah. I think that that's the, the big thing. It, it all comes, it all comes down to the mindset. Um, what, um, what are your thoughts on being vegan? I think that veganism is a fantastic way to focus again on more plants, better quality foods. And it really boils down to having the knowledge and the power to do that in a way that helps you to get the results and to be able to do the things that you want. 
So the challenges with it are that you can sometimes feel like um, you're not getting enough of the right nutrients. And that can happen for some people who are not as, not as organized, I would say, because it, it takes a lot of dedication. You can't just be vegan like overnight and know how to f- fuel your body to the best ability. It takes some practice and some skill. So just make sure that you're um, following that. Um, but also listen to your body. I had, I've had a couple of different clients, runners, this, that, and the other, and they, they, they were mostly vegan. And I said, well, that's awesome. And, and we just looked at a couple of things and, but they were saying, well, I'm vegan, but then about once a month I go and get a burger. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I'm all about flexibility. Flexibility is key. But the key there is really just like, okay, are you listening to your body enough? to be able to know when you need something. Um, so making sure that the values that you put on veganism are, you know, grounded in something that you believe in because it's going to take dedication. It takes education. And then also just always remind yourself that your body is so intelligent. It's going to tell you what it needs and it's going to be, you can control. It's not about your urges controlling you or controlling your cravings. It's about understanding what your body's trying to tell you in that moment. And it might be an emotion, it might be a food, it might be a, a thought or a feeling. Um, but in the same sense, your body is smart enough to tell you like, hey, maybe I need some protein or maybe I need some, um, maybe my body's craving something um, that I need to pay attention to. Um, so bringing intention, I always say there's intention and there's attention. So you've got to pay attention and you've got to be intentional. How, how often do you see someone who might be with, you know, having, uh, following a vegan diet and, and they're not getting enough protein. I think that's always like the big yeah. thing people always talk about is, is make sure you're getting the protein. in. If you're what I call a recreational vegan. So somebody who is vegan, who has values, they really feel like it's very important to honor, um, whether it's animals or our environment or whatever. That's great. Like, yeah. that's amazing that you're, you have, you have dedicated yourself to that. Um, that's great. You know, you should make sure that you are getting plant plant-based sources of protein, which they are super prevalent. It's not that hard to find them. Um, however, the challenge comes more when you're starting to have a high level of fitness or a high demand on your body. And that's when you have to be more intentional. Um, so I would say I don't, I don't, come across someone who's, we, we have a myth about in our culture about we don't get enough protein. We don't yeah. get enough. Protein. It's a myth. Okay. <laughs> it's not real. I've done hundreds. Well, I've done thousands of clients. Now I've only had maybe one or two who are deficient in protein. Wow. One or two in 15 years in this job, one or two. And I would say one of them was an athlete that had a high demand on their body and they just were underestimating how much that they, they were overestimating how much protein they thought they were getting. So just double check it. Um, uh-huh. And then the other one was just like, didn't kind of know where those protein sources were. So again, intention and attention. So pay attention if you're vegan, double check some things every once in a while and then intention, bringing some more intention to it. If you're going to bring your fitness level way up, then you're going to need to bring your intention way up and pay right. attention to how much uh, plant-based proteins you're supplementing with. Because at that point, you have to supplement. So, 
Yeah, you just can't eat potato chips or veggie fries all day. It doesn't work. Well, the same for all of us. We can't, I mean, I would love to live on um, potato chips, but that, yeah, that, I can't do that. I no. don't feel good after <laughs> a day or two. I tried it a couple times during quarantine. And it didn't work out so great. <laughs> so if there was other apps that you use with your clients to help, um, you know, track their progress, um, recipes, things like that, are there, are there certain apps or pieces of technology that you use with your clients? Here's the crazy part. We don't because you don't have to. Your body is so smart. Um, and if you know what to build visually and you know how to really please your brain um, and really know the intention that you're bringing to your meals, you don't have to track. So all those 1,600 pounds that my clients have lost together, I've had a couple accountants who really need those numbers. But I would say, you don't have to track anything. You can delete my fitness pal and be fine. Um, mm. And we can get you still to lose weight. We can still get you to get that next level um, of athleticism of that performance without tracking. Um, it's my job to know those numbers. So I can pretty much tell you kind of where you are ballpark, but I don't technically want to add more technology and more to do's to your to-do list. I want right. you to be able to make food decisions quickly, eat calmly, and to be able to have the confidence to know that what you're doing is going to get you the results that you want. So what value do you place on tracking your food, tracking your diet? I think that it's important if you have a very specific goal. So for instance, if you are an athlete and you want to bring some more attention to how you're pre-fueling and post-fueling then that's when we say, okay, let's figure out some numbers that are going to be good for you. Um, let's say you are, uh, you, you just don't have a handle or you don't have confidence about what you're eating. Then I say, okay, let's track for a week. Nice. Okay. okay. Now, now after I've educated you, now let's track for a week and now let's just look at those numbers together. But I count more things like how many meals did you have? Because if you're snacking six times a day and that's why you need to track, mm -hmm. then we need to work on your meal quality. Let's back up a little and let's work on meal quality so that you can stabilize your blood sugars, so that you can get into a fat burning hormone zone, and so that you can have a st more stable metabolism. And, and so the tracking really comes at more advanced levels for different things that we might need to, we need, we might need to check on. Gotcha. So would, would you think it'd be more beneficial like in the early stages or you'd say, so you say it's more in the advantage, not like necessarily it is. Like for people to like figure out like, Oh, well I'm actually eating 4,000 calories a day or I'm eating 1500 calories a day. You're thinking more down the road. You're saying it's more valuable. I would say if you like to track, if you're a number checker, if you're a list maker, if you're maybe a type A person, or maybe that's just something that, that makes you feel more calm, then I would say the only thing you should track is a positive number. Something that's really helpful is just track your fiber. Mm -hmm. Try tracking something positive for a week. Okay. Challenge yourself. Can you get to 25 grams? Can you get to 30 grams of fiber? Fiber. Okay. Only thing I would track if you're starting out and you want to bring some more intention is track something positive. Interesting. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. So we are wrapping up here. A couple more questions for you. What, uh, what's the, 
the last book you read? Oh, great question. Um, I always have about three books that I'm reading at the same time. I would say um, I just finished a novel about the Duchess of, um, she was like a Duchess in in England, but she was one of the Vanderbilt. So I thought that was fascinating. It's about her life during uh, World War One. So that was really interesting. It was a historical fiction, but it was excellent. Okay. Um, I'm reading a book that I just absolutely love right now. It's called um, The Cruciform Life. It's really amazing. It's just, um, it's a spiritual book that I'm just really enjoying by uh, Rankin. That's excellent. Um, so those are, okay. there's kind of two that I just simultaneously finished. Awesome. What's the, uh, what's the last TV show you watched? Okay. I really like Grandchester. Grandchester. <laughs> On BBS. It's about like a murder mystery. It's like one of those um, masterpiece theater. That's okay. my, that's my, that's my jam. I just, I really like PBS. <laughs> <laughs> All really right. I'm a, a true Washingtonian. You know, we grew up on PBS. PBS know. and C-SPAN. That's really what you grow up on around here. All right. I like it. What, uh, what's one win that you want to share with us from the past month? I am so dang proud of myself because in the middle of this crazy life that we live and these, you know, changes and everything, my clients really asked me like, Hey, can you provide us the better resources for recipes? And so, you know, being a caterer, like I just kind of cook um, and there's a lot of things that just have in my brain. And so I put together and I thought, oh, this will be easy. I'll just throw together some recipes and pack and put a recipe back together. I am really, really proud of myself because I pulled together all of those recipes. And so far, and this is just the beginning, I have like 156 recipes that wow. are my original uh, recipes that are high fiber, healthy, um, fast, simple. And so I pulled together a new thing called the Slim Down Recipe Club. So I'm really proud of that because 56 weekly salad recipes is like a year's worth of healthy wow. eating and living that tastes delicious because I don't want to eat it if it's not delicious. Yeah. I'm not going to want to eat it and keep eating it if it doesn't taste good. So I, that, that's my win. Okay. is that I just have this really cool new recipe club and I'm just, I'm stoked about it. It's kind of fun. Now, now is that, is that a, is that for sale? Is that like a membership? Like yeah. who has, who has access to that? How, or how can someone well, get access to that? Yeah, it's super fun. It's just $7 to start. And then it's a monthly membership. You can join, you get a monthly like recipe, some new recipes to try. You get access to all the other ones online and you get access to a lot of them have the macros already calculated for them. So if there are things that you are curious about, um, that can help you. It's a tool um, that you can use. You also get some really fun, like here's some menu ideas uh, for the month. I really like that during uh, COVID. I signed up for the free New York times and it just said what to eat this week. And I thought that was very helpful. Simple, um, and, simple, and super simple. So I want to replicate that for my clients. Um, cool. awesome. So yeah. yeah awesome. You so you'll, you'll have to send us. me the link for that so I can put it in the show notes here. Love to have people join. It's going to be fun. That is awesome. All right, Nora, that is going to be it for today. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll definitely have to do a, another session. Oh, we're going to have to have that, what you cooked the um, egg white pasta with. We'll have a repeat on that. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. 
Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.